again, on the new development side, these hotels, when they get finished, it could be a little bit of a cloud on the horizon because they've got to refinance their construction loans. And they're coming out of a market that when they started, they could have got loans at 4%, and now they're going to be at least north of 8 So uh, the big question is, will they be able to refinance and hold on, or will those deals come to market? And then the second thing is there's a tremendous amount, something like $5 billion worth of hotel loans um, in California that are maturing in 2023-24, which I think will drive a lot of owners to, to sell versus try to refinance. Welcome to Deconstruct, a podcast by The Real Deal. I'm Isabella Farr. And I'm Susanna Kavanaugh. So over the past couple of weeks, we've talked a lot about distress that has started to crop up across the multifamily and office sectors, right? We had your story on Chatreet struggling with a $481 million multifamily loan. In San Francisco, there was Shorenstein and JP Morgan's default on a $400 million loan connected to the Twitter building. Mm-hmm. Late last week, we also saw M&T Bank during its fourth quarter earnings call. It said about one-fifth of its office loans were in danger of default. And then Vornado Realty Trust just got kicked off the S&P 500. So a lot of happenings in that space. Right. So in light of that, we wanted to dig into a different sector. We wanted to talk about what's happening with hotels. Because at this point, we've had about 18 months, give or take, since lodging reopened after the pandemic hit. So that amount of time, we can look at how the market might be recovering. Exactly. So we're asking questions like, is business travel back? Are there signs of distress? Are there geographical markets or types of hotels that are faring particularly well? These are all questions that I asked Alan Ray, who is the president of Atlas Hospitality, a brokerage in California. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But first, here are our top stories of the week. Let's start with the hard news. Brian Walsh, the husband of Tishman Spire executive Anna Walsh, who went missing on New Year's Day, has been charged with murder in Massachusetts. Yeah, so we mentioned last week that the husband had picked up cleaning supplies at Home Depot and he'd Googled how to dispose of a 115-pound woman's body. It also turns out that police found a hacksaw and a rug with blood on it stashed near his mother's home. Yeah, it's not looking good for him. Turning to tech, reporter Pat Ralph wrote this week about how the Manhattan office market looks to be in the midst of a hard pivot as far as what tenants are more favorable to landlords. That turn is happening as the tech sector is really going through it. We've seen firms from Google to Microsoft to Amazon just axe thousands of workers over the past couple months. Right. And in an attempt to cut the fat, the sector's giants are also bowing out of their office leases, right? Mm-hmm. One of the highest profile firms to renege on space was Meta that said it would not renew a lease in Hudson Yards. The firm is also backed out of space in Austin and has put up space in San Francisco for sublease. But in the case of Hudson Yards, who stepped in to take its space? Investment firm KKR. Yeah, that was interesting to me because just this week we saw KKR take a page out of Blackstone's book and limit REIT withdrawals, which signals that the finance space isn't immune to the recession fears that have been hitting tech. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. The sense of Pat's piece was that these firms are better positioned than tech, though, to withstand a downturn. 
They have strong balance sheets and they're scooping up opportunities where they're available. Despite the fallout in the tech sector of late, one innovation is making pretty big waves, though. <laughs> You're talking about ChatGPT, right? Yeah. So ChatGPT is a chatbot that can answer a question you pose with a conversational response. You can think of it sort of like what you wish Alexa or Siri could do. And it's interesting. I've read that some people um, have actually been using it as like a pseudotherapist. So they would say, my boyfriend and I are fighting over. I don't know, like the dishes, what should I do? And then it'll sort of spit something out. The creators don't condone that usage, though. So brokers are viewing it as a market disruptor, but in a good way. They see the potential for it to write letters or listing descriptions or video scripts or even give advice on how best to negotiate a deal. Yeah, I even I saw someone on Twitter actually ask ChatGPT to create a podcast script. So maybe we should kind of test it out and see if people can guess whether or not it's a ChatGPT or, you know, us doing it. Yeah, well- you could see if you can tell the difference. But essentially, you know, it's like a free virtual assistant. Exactly. Obviously, some brokers are more keen on incorporating new tech than others, but it certainly opens the door to streamlining certain tasks. And speaking of brokers, we had a bit of drama in the agent world recently. Ryan Serhant, who got in a back and forth with Best Freedom and Lost May over the portrayal of agents in reality TV shows, he threw another jab at the Brown Harris Stevens CEO. A salesperson for Sirhan Ventures, which is Sirhan's educational arm, emailed Friedman to offer a tailor-made program for agents. That included a social media boot camp and mentorship from Sirhan himself. Despite the, you know, not-so-subtle diss, Friedman kept her cool. She told The Real Deal she had the utmost respect for Sirhan, but she obviously said no thanks to the offer. And in a fitting deal of the week for today's show, the Ace Hotel brand sold to a Portland-based hospitality firm last week for $85 million. The buyer, Paul Bernecki of Sortis Holdings, told the journal, quote, there's going to be a lot of turnover in the hotel world, and when turnover happens, it creates the opportunity for a new brand to come in. On that note, let's get right into my chat with Alan Ray of Atlas Hospitality. But first, a word from our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Dotted, the all-in-one asset optimization platform that's empowered companies like Dogwood to grow their portfolio by 2.5x in just 18 months. See how Dotted can align your team and accelerate data-driven portfolio growth in leasing and beyond by going to Dotted.com, D-O-T-T-I-D.com. So we're recording this on the 17th of January. We've kicked off 2023. What are you seeing in the market right now? What are some kind of major trends you're seeing on on a national scale as we enter the new year? I think what we're seeing on a, on a national scale, and when I say national, we're talking with clients that are looking in markets like New York and Chicago. And we're seeing that those markets, unlike some of the major metropolitan areas of California, uh, I've definitely seen a lot more in terms of distress sales than what we're seeing here in California. Um, I'm also reading that in Manhattan, um, around 10,000 hotel rooms will not reopen. Uh, we have a situation, you know, deals in Chicago that are selling uh, at a fraction of what was paid only three or four years ago. Um, and the feedback that I'm hearing on that uh, is really twofold. One is Markets like Chicago have some of the highest property taxes in the United States. And then from a labor standpoint, um, really a lot of the unionized hotels in New York and in Chicago 
and making a lot of the players rethink um, the economic viability of hotels in those markets and are looking to uh, convert into other use. Uh, and that's typically apartments and residential. I guess, you know, where does this stem from? Is it the fact that occupancy rates still haven't come back? Is it that business, you know, for a long time we were waiting for business and conference travel to come back? Or has, you know, the interest rate environment just really shifted things up and even if occupancy were to start to rise, it couldn't really kind of combat that? Yeah, I think uh, it's a factor of all three. But first and foremost, the you know, the hotel market today is almost breaks down into two different segments. You've got the travel and leisure that has uh, done exceptionally well post-COVID. And then you have the downtown business center hotels, which, for want of a better word, uh, they mirror what is going on in the office market. So uh, until you have people back into the downtown areas, until you can attract uh, business meetings and conventions, the city center hotels, and specifically those hotels that are focused on business travel, uh, are really lagging well, well behind the travel and leisure sector of the hotel industry. And the big question is, you know, will that come back? When will it come back? And will it come back to what it was, you know, that we saw prior to COVID back in 2018 and 2019? But I think a lot of this has to do with the office market. and it's very difficult for people to come and make business sales calls on uh, other companies when the personnel are working remotely. So that's what we're hearing sort of across the board. Um, so that's that's definitely impacting the business center hotels. Uh, secondly is inflation. The cost of operating the hotels, the labor cost, um, supplies, and the issue in actually finding labor is, is having an impact on those hotels as well. Last but not least, um, we have a lot of those hotels now that um, two things are happening. One is during the downturn, they have not been able to invest money back into renovation. Um, so you're starting to see some pressure from the major brands, Hyatt, Hilton, Marriott, wanting their owners to do their property improvement plans. And then secondly is where hotel loans are maturing. We've obviously come from an environment where Rates for hotel loans in the 4% were not uh, unusual. In fact, they were commonplace. And now you're looking at 8 9 and 10%. So um, there are a lot of factors that are really uh, putting especially business hotels under a lot of pressure right now. Are there hotels that are more focused on travel and leisure and maybe in that kind of luxury segment, which has done very, very well over the last couple of years in markets like New York and Chicago? Are those properties faring well? Yes. So if you're if you're typically outside of the business center um, and you're in, let's say, for example, in New York in the Hamptons or any of the you know, surrounding areas that cater to that travel and leisure market, yes. I would think that a lot of the people from the East Coast are gravitated towards the warmer climates down in Florida, and uh, they've obviously seen some you know, record revenues here in California, anything along the coast or in the desert uh, communities, they haven't beaten previous records by a small amount. These are these are numbers that we've never, ever seen before. These are up 30, 40, 50 percent in some cases. Are you talking about the revenues? I'm talking about, yes, the revenues. Has that tapered off at all over the last six months or so? Surprisingly not. So we're still seeing hotels that are really 
commanding very, very high room prices. Obviously, it's slowed down a little bit because of the weather here now in terms of wintertime, but um, up until you know the last few months, they were still doing phenomenal numbers. I wanted to jump over into acquisitions. We did a roundup in LA of the top office sales in across LA in 2022, and all of the top 10 happened before interest rates started rising in June. Nothing was transacting in the last half of 2022. And on the hotel side, what did you start to see in the latter half of 2022? And what are you seeing now? Have interest rates hampered acquisitions? Interest rates are definitely having an impact um, on acquisitions right now in terms of both from the lender's standpoint on how they're underwriting the deals and obviously uh, the buyers. Having said that, we had the largest transaction in California for 2022 that just closed very recently, and that was the purchase of the Montage Hotel in Laguna Beach, which reportedly traded for over $640 million. So when you have trophy irreplaceable assets like that, uh, there still is a market for it, and they seem to be resilient to what's going on with interest rates um, and what's going on with financing. So we actually have seen a little bit of a slowdown in transactions, but nothing anywhere near what the uh, people are seeing in the office market. You represent investors. What are they looking for right now? So the, the one segment that's held up extremely well um, post-COVID uh, is the extended stay. So the hotels that fall into that category with the residence in by Marriott or a home to suites, Spring Hill suites, Town Place suites, any of those uh, categories are very, very desirable. And that is because they typically have a higher percentage profit margin um, and don't require a lot of the daily room service that other hotels have. So that's first and foremost that people are looking for that. Secondly, um, the biggest change that I've seen, and as I said, we've been doing this for over 25 years, um, is the, and again, this is California specific, but I'm sure it's starting to happen in other parts of the country, um, where buyers are coming in and buying specifically extended stay hotels and converting to apartments. Um, historically, whenever I would get a call from a buyer saying, this is what I want to do, I would simply say, okay, you go Call us, you let me know which city will allow you to convert a hotel where they're getting transient occupancy taxes and convert that and have to change the zoning and everything else, and I will find you a deal. Well, that I never heard back from anyone for 23 years. In the last two years, because of the change in laws where cities are now required to provide a certain percentage of lower income housing here in California, that has flipped overnight. So we have a new buyer pool that's merged in the hotel sector, and that is uh, buyers that are looking to purchase hotels and convert them to apartments or uh, other forms of residential. On the other side, we have the, a very big buyer, which is the state. And the state is putting money in to purchase hotels to house the homeless. And it's a project here in California called Project Home Key. So... The benefit to hotel owners in today's market is that we're not growing supply in California, even though we're adding new construction, we're actually losing supply to alternative uses. And that's homeless housing and low-income housing. 
can we talk a little bit about the construction and the supply that's set to come to market? Has construction and planning slowed down over the last couple of years? Uh, actually not. So in 2021, it was a record year again in California. So we had a record year for sales. We had a record year in terms of new hotels opened. A little misleading in that coming out of 2020, any hotel that was under construction, a lot of the developers put the brakes on it because they didn't want to open up when obviously you couldn't rent out rooms. So we, we saw a lot of projects that would have opened in 2020 get pushed into 2021. Um, but as it sits right now, we still have, uh, I think 2022 is probably the fourth uh, record year in terms of number of hotel rooms opened in California. And we've been tracking that since early 2000. Um, and the amount of hotel rooms that we have under construction, um, if they get completed in 2023, that will be another new record for new hotel rooms opened. Got it. And what is driving that? Is that the belief that demand for hotels in California will remain? You know, first and foremost, California is obviously a very, very strong market for travel, especially travel and leisure, as well as international travel, especially from Asia Pacific. And now that uh, they're opening up the markets to China, that's going to be very, very strong. But I think when you look at how difficult it is to build in California, it really makes brand new hotels highly desirable. And we also had a situation where banks were looking very, very favorably at construction financing and the cost of that money. So when we looked at that and you do the underwriting, and conversely, if you're looking at purchasing a 30-year-old hotel at around 200 to 250000 a room and you have the ability to find a site and then can construct that at a similar cost or less, then it's going to be very, very attractive to do new construction. It only, it sort of gets out of balance when you get into a distressed market and you can start buying hotels at a fraction of replacement cost. And that hasn't happened in a long time in California. And again, on the new development side, these hotels, when they get finished, it could be a little bit of a cloud on the horizon because they've got to refinance their construction loans. And they're coming out of a market that when they started, they could have got loans at 4%, and now they're going to be at least north of 8 So uh, the big question is, will they be able to refinance and hold on, or will those deals come to market? And then the second thing is there's a tremendous amount, something like $5 billion worth of hotel loans in California that are maturing in 2023-24, which I think will drive a lot of owners to, to sell versus try to refinance. Deconstruct airs every Monday on Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Or you can listen at therealdeal.com. For comments on this episode or on the series, feel free to reach me or Susanna at podcasts at therealdeal.com. Next week, we're looking at what's happening with the Twitter building in San Francisco. Tune in then.